The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. And I really believe this to be true, that the only road to survival is for taking responsibility to and for each other with compassion. If we don't, I don't think we're going to make it as a human race. Hello, everybody. I'm Mitch Albom, and you're listening to Tuesday People, the podcast. This podcast is inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury, which I wrote 20-plus years ago. And that voice that you heard at the start was Maury of Tuesdays with Maury, Maury Schwartz, my old college professor, who was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, and I went to see him once a week for all the months that he had left of his life once I connected with him. And we took a last class in what's really important in life once you know you're going to die. And the lessons that I learned then became the underpinning of that book. They become the underpinning of my life for the years that have followed. And now they are the underpinning of this podcast, which, like those visits with Maury, takes place every Tuesday and deals with some of the same topics that Maury and I dealt with back then, only in a modern framework, but with Maury's voice. And this is our first official podcast of 2020. So let me say happy 2020 to all of you listening to us out there and to my friend and producer extraordinaire, Lisa Goich. Happy 220, Lisa. 2020, baby. Here we go. How has it? What, uh, how has it been so far? I was just going to say I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere. Okay. So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. Had a good uh, New so Year's far, down so with the uh, kids in Haiti at our orphanage, uh, our New Year's celebration, which we do every year, and they're happy. They're looking forward to another year, 2020, the 20s. At least we're in a decade now that feels comfortable to say. Let's get that right off yes. off the bat. It, it's now good. We would say that we're in the 2020s because the teens, I, I didn't know what to call them. Never made sense. And the zeros were really hard. From 2000 to 2010, I didn't know where we were. We're in the aughts. The aughts. And <laughs> who talks like that? Nobody says aughts. So now we're in the 20s. And uh, we now have a new 20s. We're going to talk about the 20s. It's not going to be like the flappers. That's what I always thought about right. when in the 1920s. In the 20s, the flappers. Now we're in the 2020s. So how do we begin 2020? What you, what you heard Maury talk about at the beginning is what's going to be our, our first concentration here in 2020, and that is compassion. I have a feeling that this year is going to require a lot of compassion, and this year is going to see a dearth of compassion. We are in a time where we do not have a lot of sensitivity or sensibility to people who are not like us. And the fact is that you may keep a circle of friends or close loved ones who are just like you, but the world is not just like you. The world is not like 
any one of us because the world is a diverse place. And the ability to show compassion to strangers as well as to one another is becoming to me a almost a dying art. Almost a dying art. I learned something from visiting with Maury. One time we were watching television, uh, happened to flick it on. We didn't really watch a lot of television and during the visits we were there. He had a black and white set that was in his office. But for some reason, there was something that was on. It was a report about the goings-on, I think at the time in Bosnia, the terrible wars and, and uh, killings going on there. And he began to cry. And he was watching this news report, which looked to me like every other news report you ever see out of a war zone. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, why are you crying? You don't know those people. You're not from Bosnia. It's a war report. And he explained to me that as he got sicker and as he got closer to death, his ability to have compassion for other people in the world who were suffering in any way increased exponentially. Here he talks a little bit about that. Have you noticed as you've been sick or as you've gotten sicker that as your own personal pain increases... Do, what happens to your capacity to feel other people's pain? Gross. Rwanda, Burma, Bosnia. It just tears me up to hear you know, what goes on there because they're suffering horribly. Worse than I am in many ways. Did you feel that way? 20 years ago? Not when so you much. read about those kinds of things? Oh, I felt a little bit, but not so much. Why do you think that is? Why I think the illness opens me up to other people's pain. Because mm-hmm. it's so acute for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know them, but they're, they're fellow human beings. Now, let's think about that. Why was it that Maury as he got closer to his death, when you would think, Lisa, that would be a time when you would maybe pull in, say, I I don't care about the world anymore. I don't care about other people anymore. I'm going to die soon. I only want to know about me, my pain, my issues, my doctors, my reports. Why didn't that happen? Hmm. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's very telling. I think the reason, as he explained a little there, is you have to be able to suffer yourself. You have to be able to feel pain yourself in order to be compassionate to other people's pain. Mm, mm. If everything's going honky-dory for you, there is a tendency to say, well, those people, if they just worked a little harder, like I do, if they just lived over here... They'd be fine, because I'm fine. What are they complaining about so much? Life is good. Why are they always complaining? Life is good. How many how many times, maybe when we were growing up, did people, if there was a bum on the street, and I'm dating myself by the word bum, that they used to call them, that's what they would refer to them, a bum on the street, and a guy would roll down the window, the guy would be begging, and the guy would say, get a job, get a job. Right. Did anyone ever say that to someone who didn't have a job? It was always someone who had a job who would say to the guy, get a job. Right. Unemployed people 
didn't roll down the window and say, get a job. Unemployed people probably were more compassionate, would say, that's me soon if I don't find a job. Unemployed people were more scared and they had empathy for the unemployed person on the street because they were worried that they could become that person. So the first step of developing compassion somehow is a little bit of, of understanding the pain that other people might be going through. And that's hard if you're not going through any yourself. It's difficult mm-hmm. if you're not going through any yourself. So if you have gone through pain, if you have suffered, if you have lost a job, lost a position, been divorced, been shut out of someone's life, gone through a, a medical bout, then you should be able to draw from that and find compassion for someone else who is going through that. It's very, very critical to do. A second blockage of compassion. So Maury was very instructive about this because he worked for a while in his life. Before he became a college professor, he worked at mental institutions and did research work and watched how many people who were diagnosed with severe things, schizophrenia and things like that, would be treated and and their attitude towards compassion. And he discovered that compassion was very much a learned trait. Listen to what he had to say about that. So I can say, yeah, be compassionate. But some people can say, I don't know how to be compassionate because nobody's been very compassionate to me. You can't be compassionate unless you've had that experience yourself. So you see, you have to have been shown compassion. You have to have been, gro- have been raised around compassion. Or if you weren't raised with it, then put yourself in a position when you become an adult to be around compassionate people in order to know what compassion is. How many times have you run into somebody or, and, or maybe said to somebody you observed, uh, why weren't you nicer to that person in that situation? And their answer is something along the lines of, well, nobody's ever been nice to me. No one ever gave me a break like that. When I was, you know, down and out, I had to do things for myself. So what, what are they really saying? I've not seen that kind of compassion. How would I know how to be compassionate if I've not seen that kind of compassion myself? Right. And some people don't learn that from their parents, let's say. I mean, my mom always, always said, she said it her whole life, treat people how you would want to be treated, you know, and that really stuck with me. And I think about that all the time, like you're talking about homeless people or whatever. I always picture if I see an older homeless man on the street, I always picture that person being born and then as a baby. And at some point, that was a little boy that was playing with a toy, perhaps, or that loved his mother. And, you know, she held him. And you have to look at those people not as something separate than you are, but as you, we right. are all the same, and we are all just you know a couple paychecks away from that. So, well, you know. what you just described, Lisa, is the underpinning of compassion. Compassion begins by feeling for somebody, by understanding them, by seeing them no different than you. So, what you just did—that's a great exercise. What you just did is look at someone who does not look very much like you right now. They might be in a in an old dirty coat. In a, a sitting on top of a cardboard box on a street corner out in the snow. And you say, I'm nothing like that. I'm driving by in my car on my way to work, 
my job, my kids. You seem worlds apart. But what you just did there is a great exercise in developing compassion. Now imagine when you were both born in a hospital and they put the babies in the beds, you know, before they, mm-hmm. they used to do that more. Now they just kind of bring them to the moms and let them stay in the rooms. But you remember they used to have the baby in a little bed and then next to another baby with a bed and you could go look through the window yeah. and see which baby was yours. Well, what if that same person that seems so distant from you was in the bed next to you as, as a newborn. Right. So now you, are, you, you picture that moment, you're exactly the same. And then the only difference is what happened to him or her versus what happened to you. Who got right. to take care of him or not take care of him or her versus who got to take care of you. What circumstances mm-hmm. of life hit him or her versus the ones that hit you. And if you can say, well, there but literally for the grace of God go I, then you're beginning compassion because you're seeing yourself in the other person. It's hard to be compassionate for something that you know you can't relate to. Although I find it incredible how many people are compassionate to animals who are not compassionate to people. The reason this mystifies me is we have never been an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, like I went on an African safari uh, last year, and. I saw animals that I have never seen before. Right. Fr- from, you know, elephants, which I've seen in zoos, but now elephants out in the wild, to cheetahs and to, to uh, certain kinds of mountain lions and things like that. And I found that not just myself, but the people that I was with, we were ascribing human characteristics to these animals that we'd never seen before. Right. Oh, he's scared. You can see he's scared. Look, he's scared. Oh, he's happy. Look how happy he is. And we were, we, you know, ah, <laughs> oh, he's so cute. Ah, oh, so nice. Oh, he's angry. We're good. These never visually laid eyes on these animals before. We already thought we understood them. Right. But when it comes right. to other human beings who we've known for years, we don't have any empathy towards, any compassion towards. We can't, you know, well, that's their problem. That's Get a so job. true. So I don't right. quite know that. There are people who treat their dogs like royalty, and which is fine, but then they treat people terribly, which is not fine. Yeah. But where does... Now, why does that happen? I believe it's because somewhere along the line, human beings let down that person, did not show that person the compassion or the kindness that they were hoping for, and somewhere, sometimes th- that person feels, if I'm going to show compassion, it's going to be wasted on a human being, but it'll be returned by a dog or by a cat. It's unconditional mm-hmm. love. That's what I'm looking for, unconditional love. And, and so they place all that emphasis and energy into their animals, which is beautiful in its own way. There's nothing the matter with that. But if they're not doing it for human beings, it's, it's probably because... They've been disappointed by human beings in the past. They've done it and they've been shut out or they've shown love to somebody. Love wasn't shown in return. They were treated badly by somebody. And animals, especially dogs and cats, you know, pets that, that, that cuddle and do things like that, they're, they're more forgiving. They're more compassionate. Right. They're more, you know, the, that, they're the more the equation that they would like to see the equation go. That's a yeah. show for they another. Don't judge. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't judge. That's a show for another day. But the compassion that you can show an animal is still means you can show compassion. So you have the capability of it. Now, number three, 
A big blockage to compassion, I think, in our time and day of, of where we are today is society and our culture. We don't celebrate compassion. Okay, let's let's look at the let's look at the uh, landscape of media entertainment. On the one hand, I can probably count the examples of things that are on television that celebrate a compassion. There'll be a segment on Ellen where she'll find a kid who, I don't know, was missing a leg and uh, there's a great story behind it and she'll bring him out and give him a college scholarship or something like that, you know, and okay, a feel-good, warm and fuzzy. Uh, There'll be a moment on CBS Sunday Morning, which is a wonderful program, where they'll do a piece about someone who's showing compassion to someone else, mm-hmm. you know, run it, running, you know, a, a good organization, a charitable organization, something like that. There'll be a segment on the morning shows where they'll surprise somebody with a, a car or a house. There'll be moments on a talk show where uh, once a year or Thanksgiving or Christmas, they'll have moments where they'll do something nice for members of the audience. I, I may be missing a few, but for the most part, those are kind of the examples of, you know, where, where, the, where the show itself turns to compassion, yeah. helping someone who's down. You know, news will occasionally, uh, on 22 Minutes, they might do a story, one story, about some local people getting together uh, for a charity drive to help the children of a slain police officer. You'll see that story. But it'll be one minute out of a 22-minute newscast. All right, now, mm-hmm. let's take the other side where the opposite of compassion is at the core. Every cable TV talk show, political TV talk show, every one of them is about meanness, cynicism, ripping one side or the other side. It's never about compassion. If, it, if mm-hmm. compassion comes into it, it's about screaming that the other side doesn't have any compassion. How dare you treat immigrants this way? You know, how dare you, tre- how dare you treat churchgoers this way? How dare you treat the flag this way? It's all done in anger. Yep, that's true. Talk shows, uh, late night talk shows, whether it's NBC, ABC, CBS, it doesn't matter. The opening monologue, are there ever lines about compassion? No, they're all snarky jokes that make fun of people, right? Right. Cross the board, comedy specials, make fun of people. TV, you know, sitcoms and things like that, mostly about making fun of people, you know, if they're they're comedies. Uh, Dramas, you know. For every act of compassion, there's three murders. Uh, radio, radio shows, political shows, arch conservative shows, arch liberal shows, meanness, right? Shock jocks, meanness, morning shows, meanness. They thrive on not showing compassion. Sports talk. That bum, he's been there for so long, ought to be fired. He's never done it. You never call him. You know what? That guy's going through a lot. We should take our time. You know, he had a tough game. We should, we should, you know, rally behind him and you know, send out some good vibes. Says, hey, that's all right. You'll do better next week. When do you ever hear that? This guy's got to go. Everything in sports is about screaming and who's got to get fired and who ought to go and whose time is up and who's passed. So I'm. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I haven't even touched on movies or anything like that. So. Culture is so oriented towards meanness, snarkiness, making fun of, putting people down. And and then there's a small little compartment of compassion on the other side. If I had to assign 
numbers, it would be 7% to 93%. I'm just sort of, that's the way it feels, doesn't it? It's true, yeah. But you know what I think it is? I think that there's a misbelief that that sells. Right. And maybe it does because people like to get riled up about things. However, you brought up Ellen earlier. When Ellen does her Christmas special, you know, the night of nights or the 12 nights of, you know, she does her, not only the day show, but there's a thing at night where she does all these great giveaways and and does kind things for people. Those are everywhere. Those videos of her giving those things out go viral. Everybody shares them and loves them and cries and feels it. Right. And And why do you think that is? Yeah, we need more of that. Like Because there's a shortage of it. Right. That we need more. Right. We need people want more compassion because we don't show Mm -hmm. enough of it. By the way, no, this is not new. All right. Maury and I met during the uh, 90s, mid 90s. Listen to how his analysis of the world in 1995 could be taken right from a conversation you'd hear today about 2020. Well, we were talking about the difficulty of people you know, developing this compassion. And I was saying the culture doesn't provide them a framework for doing it. The second point I wanted to make is that, and this is in your uh, arena, is that the media and the general culture defines what is permissible and acceptable talk. Permissible and acceptable talk. And that kind of talk about compassion and kindness and so on is not acceptable talk mm-hmm. at this time mm-hmm. of our life, so to speak. Why? That's new age stuff. It's it's the sissy stuff, as we said before, or it's stuff that is not efficient. It doesn't get you to your goals. It just interferes with your uh, sort of process of succeeding, so to speak, because it makes you soft and therefore may be hesitant, and therefore not as hard driving to get where you want to go. Now, we have painted what seems to be a fairly bleak picture. We have people screaming at one another over politics, losing friends uh, over one another over politics, shooting each other over traffic incidents on the, on the road because somebody cut somebody off. Anger is at an all-time high. Cynicism is at an all-time high snarkiness is marketable. So it doesn't sound very good for compassion. The landscape doesn't look very positive for compassion. But I believe, as Maury did, that deep down, we are hardwired for some kind of compassion. Listen. I see the times as being so vicious and the potentiality for greater viciousness Unless we have a very strong turnaround, it's very hard to stop that momentum. On the other hand, I want to put put in a positive note. Having said all that, I still would think that most people in this country do have an intuitive understanding of what kindness and being decent and being sort of honest with your neighbor is. They have it, but they're afraid to let it out because they'll be taken advantage of. By the way, uh, study after study has shown that compassion and kindness 
particularly you know when you're uncomfortable or you need help or being held, really begins as an infant. And if we are in stages where people are not spending as much time with their kids as infants or uh, as, as, as young children, if they're in daycare more than they are at home being held and being tended to, this is part of the price we pay for being so busy. Our children themselves become alienated. They become desensitized. They are given, how many times have you seen now a two and three-year-old who's got a device? More and more. I saw them at Christmas time. They have devices. Yeah. And it's a great babysitter because you give the kid a device and the kid doesn't cry. And you think, right. I, I have made the child happy. No, that's not accurate. You have given the child a distraction. Mm-hmm. But you are teaching that child, that the distraction can make them happy. When you, what you should be teaching them is that to be happy is to be human and have connection. Here's a little bit, Maury did a lot of studies on this. Listen to him talking about this. There have been studies that showed kids who were just fed and not loved, they, they almost died because they weren't getting this basic quality that all human beings seems to need to grow up to be a halfway healthy person. So my assumption is, based on some of this work, based on what I know, that everybody has that to some degree by virtue of being human, by virtue of being able to survive. So these devices uh, that we start our kids on very early and they get lost in are not developing senses of compassion. Actually, many of the games that they're playing are all about what? Blow up strike, you know, destroy. Yeah, shooting people. Shoot, knock down. Desensitizing, right? Mm-hmm. Desensitizing. Uh, the, and that's the opposite of compassion. And this is, we've become desensitized to murders. We see them left and right in our entertainment. We become desensitized to even bad health, you know, because we see stories about it. And then uh, we just figure, oh, well, there's a cure here. You go see a doctor there or go get this on the web. But the compassion that you need to show somebody when they're not feeling well or when they're suffering is just, I think, drying up. And so we really, for a good quality of life, for you as well as for the people who surround you, compassion, compassion which does not mean feeling sorry for somebody. It means being able to empathize with somebody. It means being able to account for their pain, account for maybe some shortcomings that they're showing or some mistakes that they're making or some behavior that is less than what you might like, to allow compassion to help you understand that and accept that. That's what we're talking about that there's very, very little of. Yeah, and I have to say, I am guilty of that, you know, and I don't know what it is because I'm a very compassionate person, I like to think. Sometimes I'm overly compassionate um, or at least overly sensitive. But when I have friends who are sick, let's say a friend with cancer, maybe it's because I compartmentalize it in my head. You know, I say, oh, she's going to be fine. You know, she can just get her treatments and then she's going to be okay. Maybe it's because I want to not feel sad 
do you know what I mean? So I put it sort of in this box. But then what I do in that case is I'm not offering this person compassion to say, wow, how are you feeling? My gosh, I'm, you know, so sorry you're going through this or you can say those things and be empty. But I don't think I personally listen enough to my friends who are sick. And, you think and it's I feel because you're, about that. you're uh, you don't want to face it? Maybe. I think that's what it is. You just don't want to, if you get in too deep to it, then it's going to hurt you, you mm-hmm. know? And so if you keep it at arm's length, or if you just kind of keep glossing it over and making it happy, happy, then they'll be happy too. Do you know what I mean? Like you right. don't want to, you don't want to dig in too deep for some reason. And I, I feel bad about that because I know that I, I know for instance, I have one friend, I'm sure she would love to talk about it, but we, we all tend to say, okay, okay, she's going through a treatment. She'll be fine. You know, how you doing? You can ask those questions. How you doing? How you feeling? Oh, I'm not feeling so great. Oh, you'll be okay. You know, you, yeah. you know what I mean? We, eh, it's these weird brush offs and I don't feel comfortable with be, being right. that person. Cause that's not me. Well, one, I mean, you have to determine is that, are you doing that because you feel that that's in the best interest of your friend? Or are you doing that because that's the best, most comfortable way that you can deal with it? You see, yeah, I if, think it's if, a little of both. Yeah, if you don't want to, um, you don't want to dig in too deep because you really don't want to hear it, or you don't want to start going down the road where they start saying, "Well, I had this blood test and this showed this, or they did this procedure on me, and now I have to take these things and I have to wear this," and and, and it's like, "Ew, gross." I, uh, you don't want to hear such details. Can't we just keep it at fine or good or? or maybe, mm-hmm. or better, well, then that's something that you have to get over because, you know, you're, you're basically saying, I'll be compassionate to you on my terms. I'll be compassionate. Right. And it's not that, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid of hearing the gory stuff. I just think that maybe it's protective of your own heart, you know? That, that's how I feel, you know, because yeah. it is so difficult to deal with those things, and, and you just want everything to be okay, yeah. but it's not okay. You know, showing compassion when someone is ill or when someone is dying is is tough, uh, and we should recognize that. I mean, this podcast is based on a book about visiting somebody who was dying. I was very lucky in that Maury made my visits comfortable for me. Maury was more concerned about me being okay with things, and Maury would uh, draw you in. For example, you know, when he would have to pee— he obviously couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. And right. I think I was like the second or third time I was there, he would say, um, I have to pee. Uh, there's a beaker there. Would you be comfortable holding it while I peed? You know, and all the things that kind mm-hmm. of came with that. And Hi. the first time I think I kind of, uh, he must have seen such a look of shock on my face that he right. said, don't worry, it's fine. And he rung a bell and uh, and someone came in, one of the nurses that came in and did it. But eventually over time, it didn't bother me and I and I learned to do it. But Maury was like, whatever you're comfortable with is fine. You know, it's, it's but right. don't pay. What he would say is, don't look at my exterior. Don't look at this withered body that can't walk or that's shriveling or that's atrophying. Uh, that's not me. That's the carton I was shipped in. Mm-hmm. And you think about that. That's the carton I was shipped in. My soul is inside this body. This body has been many things. It's been an infant. It's been a young running boy. It's been a healthy teenager. It's been a strong, robust man. It's fathered children. And now it's 
old and decaying, but it's just the exterior. And, you know, that's a, he made it very easy for me that way. And sometimes it's not so easy for people um, to look at someone who's sick or who's disfigured or who's had a stroke or uh, whatever. But, you know, this is part of having compassion. Part of showing compassion is being able to see beyond what makes you comfortable into what's going to make the other person comfortable. Do you know what the actual dictionary definition of compassion is? Sympathetic no. pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure I would go so much with the pity, although sympathetic pity, I guess, is a modified form of pity. But concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others, that for sure is it. And when you show concern for the others and not so much about what's going to make me comfortable, then you're getting to real compassion. But there are so many levels of compassion, and we've only begun to scratch the surface here today, and we'll leave it here at that, but uh, we'll come back and revisit this, I'm sure, multiple times during the course of the year, because we're going to need compassion, not just for those of us who are ill or or sick, but compassion for uh, one another as members of society. And we have to be able to understand one another and give each other the benefit of the doubt of, well, okay, I don't agree with that person's particular take on this issue or this political candidate, but they're a human being just like me. And maybe they're going through something that makes them feel that this person is right for them or this tact is right for them because they've suffered through something that they're trying to deal with. And I need to show some compassion for them and not just say, if you don't agree with me, if you're not like me, if you're not the same as me, if you don't think the same as me, then I have no use for you. Then you're not a human being. You're, you're a cyborg that only recognizes only other cyborgs. Compassion is, is, is a very human trait. And while animals will show it to one another, certainly dogs have compassion. Uh, it's almost built into them. You know, there are certain right. dogs, in fact, that will go first to someone who is crying. It's very interesting. You give a dog a choice between a person who is crying and upset and a person who's neutral, those dogs will frequently go to the crying person. It's an internal sense of compassion. And in this case, dogs show it better than we do uh, right. because we immediately go. But, but what's interesting is that if a baby is suffering in some way, don't you find that everybody has compassion for that baby? Everybody has compassion oh, yeah. for a baby. And even a child, as, 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 as someone who, you know, obviously with Finding Chica and our, our little girl who we took in who died from a brain tumor, the compassion for her was overwhelming. There's something mm-hmm. amongst human beings and children and infants that compassion comes out free-flowing. But when we start to become adults, it, the faucet starts to thin out, and we don't show it the same hmm. way. Why is that? I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question and one that for... That is interesting. Uh, Maybe there's a yeah. safety net there or something when it's a child, you know what I mean? Again, yeah. it's sort of like what I was saying earlier. I think it's easier to show compassion to a child. It's easy to show compassion to an animal. But with an adult, it's not as easy because I think you're somehow opening yourself up more. Right. I don't know. Or maybe you're admitting a vulnerability that that could be me. Exactly. And uh, I don't want to face that. So I don't want to go see a uh i don't want to go see someone my age who's really suffering in the hospital but i'll go see a child who's suffering in the hospital because i passed that i'm safe it's not going to be me 
But that in itself is rooted in a selfishness that is not what compassion is about. So Mm -hmm. this is a big topic, and there'll be lots more to talk about it, but uh, let's leave it there. We learned a lot about compassion here today, and I think it's a good first lesson of 2020, and certainly something that Maury talked about. Let's give him the final word on this. It is completely hopeless that potential for decent behavior is there, but it's deeply buried under the cultural norm today. And that's where the hope is, as far as I'm concerned, to be able to reach that. When I say, how do you get somebody to be compassionate? Well, you try to reach that little core, a big core, whatever it is, that's now so deeply buried. And the only way you reach it is by showing it to them. And then maybe it'll come out. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Tuesday People. Please make sure you tell your friends about us if you enjoyed this podcast. Tell them they can get it anywhere they listen to popular podcasts. You can certainly leave us a comment, a rating, and all the rest of that. We welcome that. And a couple more housekeeping notes, Lisa. Yes, please join our Tuesday People Facebook group on Facebook. It's called Tuesday People. And you will notice it because it's the Tuesday People podcast group with Mitch's uh, face right there. (laughs) Um, So um, don't let that scare you, please. (laughs) Join the group. uh, Share your stories with us and with other members of the group. It's really a great speaking of showing compassion. There are a lot of people who spill their stories there, and it's a great place to hear their stories and and talk to them and it's 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 a wonderful little little place and we also have our tuesday people storyline ta-da it's our hotline 248-621-4701 you can leave messages for us that we may play on the show at some point and mitch you tell them about uh the new thing that we're going to be starting this year in 2020 yes uh this uh, shortly uh we're going to give you the opportunity to participate in the show because we're going to tell you the topics we're going to be covering and give you an opportunity to call in at a very specific time and uh, we'll be waiting on the other end of the line and we'll have uh, conversations with you about those topics and then we'll take some of those conversations and incorporate them into uh, our programs about those topics so you will be part of the show so to speak so until we uh, get a chance to uh, talk to you then and until we see you next week on behalf of Lisa Goich Uh, This is Mitch Albom saying thank you to our Tuesday People community and see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.